Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I am that dude, Bodkins. Patty da Patty. That's ridiculous. No way. There's nobody else out there. He's your guy. Give a big round of applause for the one and only Bodkin Show. I'm going to repeat that again, folks. I didn't stutter. Welcome to the Bodkins Show. Welcome to the Bodkins Show. I am that dude, as always, uh, Bodkins, a a Sunday night special here. Uh, We're going to be doing this every Sunday night during the football season now, folks. Uh, We're going to be talking about the games that were, uh, previewing and talking about that little Sunday night game. Uh, So we are ready and uh, prepared for football. and to break it all down tonight, uh, I got my main man, Kay, with a Craig. Uh, Craig will be joining us every Sunday night. Kenny's going to be joining us as well, but uh, he might be having a uh, baby uh, tonight. So um, that's uh, chances are he's not joining us. But uh, Kay with a Craig, my main man, we're going to hear him break down all the divisions. Uh, uh, fourth, one through four, uh, pick getting some Super Bowl picks, you know, breaking some teams down here. Uh, how you feeling going into this uh, season, man? We are just five days away. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I mean, uh, it's a new a new football season. Um, some good storylines uh, kicking off here in some games week one, you know. So um, I'm excited, man. This is the last weekend we got without pro football. Uh, we already got college football back. So uh, it's uh, it's football season, man. It's a great time. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of new places and uh, new faces, you know, new faces and new places. I mean, this was like the, this this offseason is like the game where it makes you almost have to buy the new Madden because you got to get the updated roster because half of everybody's roster left. I mean, just a wild offseason. And we're going to get ready to see if those uh, moves paid off. Uh, we're going to start here in the NFC West, Craig. Craig. Um, we're with the Super Bowl champs, the Rams. How do you see this division uh, going here? You know, we'll start at the bottom, or if you want to start at the top, it's, it's all right with me. Um, but uh, can the Rams repeat here? Well, we uh, we always say kind of when we're making these predictions, we we do it going in with the head that everybody's going to be healthy, uh, and if everybody on the Rams stays he- healthy, I mean they're they're still. They got a great squad out there. They got a good coaching staff. And I mean, they're coming off a Super Bowl win. So it's tough to bet against them. Uh, If we're starting at the bottom here, um, I think Seattle's got, you know, the most holes and the most trouble at the moment. Um, So I've got them finishing the division fourth. Uh, Moving up, uh, the 49ers, I'm a little bit worried about. Um, I might just not be as much of a Trey Lance believer as some people yet. Um, and I feel like that situation, can, it could get a little sticky. And being a Bears fan, I've seen this firsthand. Like, what if, you know, what if Trey Lance comes out and they're two and five or two and six or, you know, three and six? Do you turn to Jimmy G? Do you stick with the kid? It could become the quarterback situation there could become a, a, a distraction and, and somewhat of a problem. So I kind of worry about them this year. I got them finishing third. Um, I got Arizona finishing second. I think they got a lot of talent on the squad, but I'm still. Um, 
I'm not a big Cliff Kingsbury believer. Um, I don't know that he's the coach that can can get them to the next step. But the talent that they got on that roster, I feel like they should be a playoff contender. Um, and then I got the Rams at the top of the division um, again. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, I got the Seattle. I got the Seahawks at four. Just when you're run, starting quarterbacks, Geno Smith, and you know he's completing with Drew Lock. Uh, you're already you know three steps behind, if not more. So I got Seahawks finishing fourth. Uh, I have, I kind of have my three and two, my two and three team flopped uh, with you. I'm not buying into this Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury uh, stuff yet. I mean that roster is loaded 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 on both sides of the ball but uh, i just think that shanahan i'll take shanahan and if they have to go to back to jimmy g they can go back to him he's already proven but i just they, they're what for whatever reason everybody's buying in on trey lance he's looked good in preseason uh he had got his dipped his toes in the water a little bit last year and we'll just see how you know if he's ready full game uh this year so i kind of got the 49ers at two and then I'm with you on the Rams here. I think the Rams, you know, just t- their roster is top to bottom, just really good. They added uh, added to it. I mean, they did lose Von Miller, but added some pieces. Uh, you know, that team's ready to go. I like them. Aaron Donald's a man. Uh, they brought in uh, <clears throat> Allen Robinson and a couple other guys on the offense. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I mean, don't don't forget how good of a wide receiver Allen Robinson really is. People don't let last year forget you. The Bears kind of kind of blackballed him on his way out the door there. Um, but I mean, we've seen, you know, what Sean McVay did with with OBJ um, in his short time there. So I feel like Allen Robinson is a guy, I mean, that could complement Cooper Cup maybe better than Robert Woods even did, you know, and that was a pretty, pretty good duo. Yeah, I like so we're we're on agreement here that the Rams uh the Rams are taking the NFC West. Uh let's move over here to the uh we'll move to our division, the NFC North here is the devoted Bears fan that you are. Uh you know, and obviously you know I'm representing Green Bay every day. Uh so how do you see this division here going? Um well, if I'm going to start at the top as much as it pains to say me, I'm taking Green Bay at the top of the division. Um at the end of the day, you just look at the quarter, the quarterback position um, throughout the division, and, and Aaron Rodgers is just a step above everybody there. Um, that Green Bay defense, as long as it stays healthy, like we say, we always say, you know, health is a factor, but we we predict these things that everyone stays healthy, and that Green Bay defense should be good. Um, they've got a, a dynamic duo in the backfield um, with a solid defense. That could be a lot of trouble for a lot of teams playing in them cold-weather games at Lambeau. Um you know, Kirk Cousins leading the Vikings. I'm going to take them second uh, just based on, you know, talent on the roster. I worry about Minnesota with all the changes that they've kind of had at the top, um, how they're going to adjust here this first year. Um, and then, you know, three, four is kind of a flip-flop here. And as a Bears fan, I'm not going to take us to finish last. So I'm going to take the Bears at three and the Lions at four. I kind of looked at both their schedules and both of them to me have about six to seven winnable games. So, um you know, for either one of them, I think, you know, the Lions, to me, the Lions are kind of still the Lions. They get, they added some talent they, to the roster, but, I mean, I don't think they added enough to, to be competitive for real. I think they might win about six games, and I think the Bears could do the same. So I'm going to take the Bears third and the Lions fourth in this division. Right. Wow, of course, you're being the homer taking the Bears. Uh, I've... I got it. I mean, we have a lot here in this the whole division is uh, I'm kind of on the opposite ends of where you are. Uh, 
Uh, I have the Bears four. I mean, we lost Khalil Mack, bringing in, you know, no wide receivers, lost Allen Robinson. Uh, They lost a lot on their defense as well. Uh, So I'm going to take – I got the Bears four here. And then I got – surprisingly here, I got Minnesota three. Uh, I just – for some reason, I'm buying the hype of the Lions. Maybe it's I'm rooting for Dan Cable and those guys. I think if Jer, you know Jared Goff and everybody else, and kind of another a new offense here, they figured some things out. They have Swift, Will, Williams, uh, the kid that they drafted this year, uh, will you know he'll be missing like the first four games, but should be ready to go. That'll be interesting. They added uh, DJ Chark. They added some wide receivers that they didn't have last year to, uh, to go with Amon St. Brown, who is um, in his second, you know, coming into his second year. So I like, I like the Minnesota three. I'm unsure about their coach, you know, uh, that he's new. So new scheme. Uh, I don't like, I'm not buying in on Kirk Cousins. Jared Goff's, I mean, might be a little bit better. I think a better version of, of Kirk Cousins. He's the like, uh, you know, Sam's club of Kirk Cousins. And then I'll take, you know, I got, of course, I got Green Bay at number one, man. I just think, you know, like you alluded to, Aaron Rodgers still runs this division. Uh, He's the best quarterback in this division. That defense is going to be really, really good. Top five defense. It's the best defense Aaron Rodgers will have played with. Now I get the receiver core sucks. It's the worst in this, in this division, but Aaron Rodgers can make me and you look good out there, bud. So I'll take, uh, I'll take the Packers here at one. Yeah, I think Green Bay is kind of, I mean, going in healthy. They're they're kind of the clear-cut favorite. Um, with the Bears, I mean, I know the Bears lost some pieces, but half of those pieces missed half the season last year anyway. And you can't forget they were coached by Matt Nagy, who was flip-flopping between Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, Nick Foles. Um, I mean, I think – and then they won six games somehow. So I think, you know, a little stability there, a little trust in a, a young quarterback. Offensive line should be a little bit better. Not a lot of weapons there. Defense is real young. Um, so, I mean, I think they're still going to give up a lot of points and, and lose some games, but I think Chicago can still squeak six out like they did last year. So you got the, and then you got Green Bay and then who'd you have at two again? You have the, you have Minnesota. And I got Detroit, Detroit finishing fourth. All right. Uh, let's move down to, uh, Tom Brady's division, the NFC South here. How do you like this division shaking up? So if we're starting top to bottom, I mean, it's tough not to, to not to go with the Bucks. You know, um, you know, we're we're saying everybody's going to be healthy if their defense can stay healthy, and uh, the amount of weapons that they have there. You know, Brady Brady looks a little like a little off here um, early on, but I think at the end of the day, when when you're hiking the ball and you're playing and the clock is going, Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady, um, and I think kind of like we alluded to in the last division, you just look at the quarterbacks throughout this division and, and Tom Brady is definitely a class above kind of the rest um, here in the South. And then surprisingly, I'm going to take the Panthers to finish second here in this division. Um, I'm kind of riding, maybe it's a little bit more of a uh, hopeful than a hundred percent believer, but I'm kind of riding on a Baker Mayfield train uh, this year. I think uh, a little spark in Baker. I mean, I've been saying it, since he went to Carolina and they're playing week one, you know, week one there against Cleveland, I'd love to see, you know, college Baker come out, grabbing his crotch, stick the Panthers flag at midfield and and be the, the Baker with the chip on his shoulder. Um, I think the NFC South, a lot of these teams have some holes. Um, 
I got the Saints finishing third. I think the coaching change is going to play a little part here. Um, and then we'll see how Jameis – I mean, Jameis looked good there. Small sample size, but uh, new head coach. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas. Um, so the receiving core there is a little bit questionable. Um, and then I've got Atlanta finishing fourth in the division. Uh, you, you're losing Matt Ryan. You know you're bringing in Marcus Mariota. I think uh, some of the guys – that they have there should have all right seasons, but as a whole, I got I got Atlanta, you know, fighting to not be the worst team in the NFC this year. Yeah, so I'm with you on the Bucks. Uh, we, you know, they added Julio, uh, Russell Gage. To, I think they're offensively they're going to be really good. I mean, the offensive line's already a little banged up, but I think they'll still be okay. I'm not worried about Tom Brady. We've been waiting for Tom Brady's like the shoe to drop and Father Time to catch up to him. But we've been saying that, I don't know, three Super Bowls ago, six seasons ago, you know, that we thought it was over for Tom Brady. But here he is still going. Uh, it, you know, I'm not worried about him. Uh, the Bucks' offense is really good. Their defense is really good. I, so I have and I have the Saints at two, though. Uh, just I know we don't know about Michael Thomas, but they added Chris Olave. Uh, Jameis Winston didn't look bad. They do have a new coach, as we know. Uh Cam Jordan's still there. I just like I like them more than I like they add they did add Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. Uh Marcus Davenport's still there. So they got that defense is going to be really good for the Saints. So I kind of I'm leaning on the Saints here at two. And then I have the Panthers at three. And then, like you said, Atlanta's going to be one of the worst teams in the league, I think, this year. So uh, I have them at four. You got it. You, you got it. And Atlanta, I mean, they could be a team that, you know, they're throwing their rookie quarterback in here halfway through the season to get some reps. Um, like I said, I think, you know, there's some guys on that that squad that are going to show some promise. But as a whole, I don't have a lot of faith in Atlanta. Um, New Orleans, I mean, I agree with you. I think the defense is going to be good. Like I said, I'm just maybe it's a little more hopeful than a true believer. But I'm on this uh, Baker Mayfield kind of chip on the shoulder season here. Yeah, I, uh, I I could see that, and I hope for that because, I mean, I thought Cleveland did them dirty. So, uh, I mean, if you want to tell me Carolina could finish second, I think a lot of that will depend on the health of CMC. He's got to stay healthy uh, and play the majority of the season. Uh, and then so let's get into the last division here in the NFC, the NFC East. Uh, the Cowboys won last year. Uh, they're not really – a lot of people like this. the, the Eagles here. You, which way are you leading here? Um, so, I mean, the Eagles and Cowboys, you look at these two teams, I've got those two at the top. Um, I've got them. They, they're both a little better than the, the Giants and the Commanders, at least on paper and every, everybody being healthy. Um, then you look at the quarterbacks, man, I kind of lean Dak over Jalen Hurts just from what I've seen. Um, but then I look at coaching and Mike McCarthy is just I don't I, I question a lot of the things he does there in Dallas. Um, at the end of the day, nobody's won this division back-to-back -back years in like two decades. Um, so I'm going to ride with Philly. Philly did a lot, man. They had a great draft. They added a lot. They've had a lot of pieces here throughout the offseason. And I just uh, – this division's always a dogfight. It's always close. But I'm going to take Philly uh, to win the division. I got the Cowboys coming in second. Uh, the Commanders and the Giants both have a lot of question marks. Um, I think the Giants are going to kind of – this is make or break time for Danny Dimes, and I think it's going to be break time. Um, and I've got the Giants finishing fourth 
and the commanders finishing third in this division. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'm so I have. I had the Cowboys, and I've gone back and forth. And since I already picked the Cowboys on my Wednesday show, I'm gonna stick with them. Uh, I, I mean, they're at. It looks like they're adding Jason Peters to that offensive line to help out because they've had some uh, injuries on there. But I still like Dak. I can't stand McCarthy. I think he's a horrible coach. He'll cost him the playoffs. But McCarthy does win divisions, so I'm gonna go ahead and give it to the Cowboys again here, two years in a row. And then I like the Eagles at two. I just no, probably no two players have more pressure on them than Jalen Hurts and uh, Tua. So the pre- we'll see if Hurts can answer. Uh, you know, some people like him as a MV- dark horse MVP candidate, and but uh, I like uh, so I like I like the Eagles at two, and then I have the Giants. I have the Commanders at three, and then the Giants at four. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts, he's in a, a, a little bit of a sticky spot because it's Philadelphia, and Philadelphia doesn't give you a lot of time, uh, just the fan base in the city. So Jalen Hurts has kind of got to kind of play well, you know, out of the gate this year, I feel like. Or, you know, the fans, if, the, if, if you lose having the fans behind you there in Philadelphia, it gets real tough. Um, but they gave him all the pieces, you know, so it's, it's kind of make or break time there. But I feel like the weapons he's got, I like – a little better than what they've got there in Dallas. Um, Dallas, the backfield there with Zeke and Pollard is good. Um, but then, you know, you've got CeeDee Lamb losing Amari Cooper is huge. Uh, Michael Gallup is a guy that's hardly ever can stay healthy. So I feel like Dallas, they're going to miss Amari there for sure. And uh, Philadelphia's wide receiver core is, is filthy. Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, adding adding Brown was huge, obviously, and then you got uh, Devontae Smith out there as well, and uh, I expect uh, big things from him in his second year. Uh, So let's move over to the AFC. Uh, Let's start in in the AFC East here with the the Bills are the heavy favorite for a Super Bowl, so they're probably a lock for this division, don't you think? Yeah, they're definitely a lock for me. You know, everything that we've seen out of the Bills, they've kind of progressively – Josh Allen has progressively gotten better and better. The Bills have looked better and better. Um, You know, last year, who knows how that game goes if you can have, you know, 30 overtimes. Um, I think the Bills are just a step ahead of everybody. You can can trust the guys that are there because you've been seeing them do it now over um, the rest of the division here for sure. So I've got the Bills finishing first. Um, I've got the Dolphins finishing second. Um, they've just they've added a bunch of pieces to kind of like you said, a similar situation as Philadelphia. Lots of pressure on Tua, but they've given them all the pieces. So um, if you can't if you can't do it here, then you just maybe can't do it um, at this level. Um, so I've got I've got the Dolphins finishing second. Um, I think the Dolphins and Patriots are going to be close at the end, but I've got the Patriots finishing third here. Um, I don't know. A lot of people are worried about the Patriots and this coordinator situation and how everything seems unorganized, but it's just so hard for me to believe that Bill Belichick behind those closed doors has anything unorganized. So I still think the Patriots are going to be a team um, in the mix here, but I've I've got the Dolphins finishing slightly ahead of them. Uh, And then I've got the Jets tailing up the end. Uh, They're the, they're the Jets. They've added some pieces um, but I'm, I'm a little worried about Zach Wilson with the early injury here. Um, how does he come back? How quickly does he come back? Um, and I, we still haven't seen 
enough out of him, I guess, at a pro level for me to truly buy into what the Jets have going on until I can buy into their quarterback. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, straight one through four. There, I have the bill. I have the Bills easily winning this division, running away with it. Dolphins at two, adding uh, adding the pieces that they added. Uh, you know, bringing an offensive minded coach here. Uh, I like two. I like the Dolphins. Uh, like I said, two has got a lot of pressure on them, but I'll take the Dolphins at two. The uh, Patriots at three. I think there's just a step back. They there's not a lot of offensive weapons there. Their defense is banged up and they've lost some pieces. JC Jackson on their defense. So I like the Patriots at three. And then I just, you know, uh, at four, the Jets are fighting for one of them bottom tier teams uh, not to be, in, you know, the worst team in the league. And let's say, let's say, uh, you know, the injury isn't very bad for their quarterback there, and he plays the majority of the season, and the Jets are one of the worst teams. I mean, how quickly do they move on? Is this another is this it's, another Sam Darnold situation? Yeah, it gets hot in the kitchen for uh, Bob Sala and Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, that could, that could happen fairly quickly there um, for the Jets. All right, so let's move on to the uh, a- NFC North here. Uh Lots of movement here. Lamar's waiting to have his contract uh, negotiated. They trade Hollywood Brown. The Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson, the, the big trade that he's out for the first 13 weeks. Uh, Steelers, no big Ben, but uh, got your boy Mitch Trubisky and, and drafted Kenny Pickett. Uh, and then you got the defending AFC champions, the Bengals in this division. Yeah, this was um... – I mean, maybe the hardest division to pick, really. There's a there, like you said, there's a lot going on here in this division. Um, at the top of the division, though, I'm going with the Ravens. Um, Lamar on this contract year, all these guys are getting paid, and I just I have a feeling in my gut that Lamar Jackson is going to um, have like an M, another MVP candidate type season this year, um, and I've got the Ravens winning the division. Uh, the Bengals got all the talent, man. Um, I'm a Joe Burrow believer. Um, I like everything they got going on there in Cincinnati, but I'm also a huge believer in the Super Bowl hangover for the loser of the Super Bowl. That's something that we've seen um, a lot over the past. And I think at some point it hits the Bengals. You get you get a tough schedule uh, coming up. The division is tough. Um, I still think the Bengals are going to be a good team. I've got them finishing second in this division, and I think this division is going to be a dogfight. Um, I've got Pittsburgh finishing third. Um, I've kind of talked to you about it before. Uh, poor Mitch, man. Like, it just looked like the perfect situation to go to a place like Pittsburgh. Um, and then they go and draft Kenny Pickett, man. And the fans are, are they're already ready for Kenny Pickett to be the starter there. Uh, they love this kid. He looked good in the preseason. Just gives him more of a, uh, a reason to call for him if Mitch goes out there and struggles. Um, so I, I think that could be somewhat of a distraction. Now, I have seen the uh, stat that Pittsburgh is not leaving the Eastern Conference or the Eastern time zone at all all season. And I feel like that has to be some sort of a benefit, uh, not having to do long travels. and uh, The shortest and distance that. travel team, I think. Shortest distance, like they yeah. have the shortest distance. Yeah, so I don't, I don't see how that can't be some sort of a benefit. Um, and honestly, Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett back there right now is probably better than the Ben Roethlisberger that we got last year. hundred percent. And they that team still, you know, was kind of fighting for a playoff spot there till the end. So Pittsburgh, um, to me, they're kind of one of these teams. 
I, they could finish second in this division. They could finish fourth. This quarterback situation could be a problem, but Mike Tomlin's never finished under 500. They got one of the, the, the greatest coaching staffs there in just terms of stability um, in the National Football League, so it's, it's tough to pick against them. Um, I've got the Browns finishing fourth uh, with, you know, Deshaun Watson missing a bunch of time this season. I just – this division is too tough, and there's there's too much talent along the way. Um, I don't – I think the Browns are going to get in a little bit of a hole um, out of the gate, and I just don't think they can climb out of it in this division. Yeah, uh, I have – so I have the uh, Bengals at one. Uh, I'm probably – and I have the Ravens at two. I, I just believe in Joe Burrow, and I just can't – I just – I think they'll – continue doing what they can really do it uh as far as the in what his maturity and things that he's got going on uh i like the ravens at two like you said lamar i think he's gonna have a a big year if he can stay healthy trying to prove that hey i deserve all the money i need and that i want Uh, and then i'm with you at the steelers at three here just because i i like trubisky and i like kenny pickett doesn't matter who's out there i think he's better than big uh Big Ben was at this point. Uh, they don't. They do have a, a, a. We got a comment here about the Steelers, and I kind of agree that the, the Steelers don't have an offensive line 100. percent But their defense, the Steelers' defense, is still absolutely stud level here. Uh, probably top five, you know, player at each uh, at you know each line on the D line, linebacker, and then in the secondary. So I got the Steelers at three, and then I got the Browns here at four, just because I mean. No Watson for the first 13 games is going to put you behind the eight ball. Yeah, and honestly, that shaky with, with the shaky O line, it might you know give give Mitch more time there. Uh, Mitch isn't bad at getting out of the pocket, and you also might not want to put you know your, your young future of the franchise Kenny Pickett out there behind terrible O line. Um, in the preseason, it did look terrible. Um, so if it doesn't get any better along the way, um, you know it it, it could be a circumstance that kind of helps Mitch uh, because, you know, you can utilize him in a way to kind of get him, get him out of the pocket and uh, try to preserve your, your rookie. All right, Craig. So let's move on down to the uh, AFC uh, South here. Uh, It's kind of to me a two class division, the Titans and Colts Colts make the big move to get Matt Ryan. How do you see this division shaking up? So, I don't know if I'm against the grain here or not from a lot that I've seen. I kind of am, but I'm sticking with the Titans um, to win the division. I've got them at number one. I know they lost A.J. Brown, um, but they – the Titans, man, they're they're hard-nosed football, play good defense. Um, If Derrick Henry comes back healthy, I mean, don't forget about who Derrick Henry is. I know he's getting older and and he's hitting that that plateau where running backs fall off, but Derrick Henry is – a different human being um, than a lot of guys that we've seen. So I, I still think, I think the division is going to be a little bit tougher um, than some people think, but, but Indy, you know, they, their GM came out and said that he was tired of putting a bandaid on the quarterback position that they were going to figure it out. And then they go get a guy like Matt Ryan that is putting a bandaid on the quarterback position. Um, and the, the last two band-aids they had Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers Honestly, I'm putting Matt Ryan in the middle of that. I think Phillip Rivers was probably the best Band-Aid they had there. Um, no, I, I'll really take Matt Ryan right now over that over that Phillip Rivers. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Phillip Rivers, man. He's a, he's a dog out there. Um, so I just – I don't know. I'm not 
I think the Colts, I mean, again, another team that's going to run the ball well. They got a great offensive line, um, good defense. They got some weapons out there for Matt Ryan. But I just like the way Tennessee's coached. I like the way they play football. Um, and the Colts did lose some of their coaching staff, so we'll see kind of how that affects things. But, yeah, I got the Titans at one. I got the Colts at two. Um, taking the Jags at three. Um but honestly, I think the Jags and Texans are going to be fairly close there at the bottom of this division. Um, I think the Texans, I mean, I'm a Bears guy. I'm a big Lovey Smith guy. I think uh, the Texans are going to be coached well, and they're going to be in some games. Um, you know, there's going to be games that they lose that they're in that's some a little more than what people think they're going to be. Um, we'll see what Davis Mills is, you know, second year there. Uh, he's got a few guys to throw the football to. They might have a running back here uh, and Damian Pierce. Uh, so I think the Texans are going to give a little more fight than what people are giving them credit for, but I still got them finishing fourth in the division. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I have the Colts here at one. I just like Matt Ryan, the move they made there. I think the Titans offense is going to be down. Uh, I know they, you know, Derek Henry, but you got to have somebody to throw the ball to. Uh, and I'd say I'll take Matt Ryan over Ryan Tannehill any, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So give me, Give me them. I do like, I agree. You know, my, uh, Vrabel's a hell of a coach, a coach of the year last year, even. Uh, and they went through a lot of injuries last season. But uh, I, I'll i take the Colts at one, Titans at two. Uh, I'm kind of with you on the Jags. I think, you know, now that they have a competent head coach and Doug Peterson uh, is an actual pro instead of, uh, you know, Urban Meyer, I, I expect bigger things with Trevor Lawrence. I'll put them at three. And then I'm kind of with you on the Texans. They're going to be in some games. I wouldn't pick a lot of games against them, against the spread. Uh, but, uh, you know, on the money line, I'll take the Texans here at four. Yeah, and the Jaguars, I mean, they're they're in a spot. They might have a bright future, but I don't think it's uh, it's quite there yet. I, th I feel like the Colts and the Titans just just personnel-wise and, and experience-wise, I just like what they've, they've both got better than, than the Jags here. We got to yeah. see a little more Trevor Lawrence too. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, uh, and now let's get to the. I think the toughest division in all of football here, top to bottom, the NFC, the AFC West. I mean, Chiefs got you know gone is uh, the cheetah, but they've won eight straight. The Raiders bring in Devontae Adams. Uh, the Chargers bring in you know J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. Like this division is still stacked one through four here. It is, and this this division was really tough to pick. Um, you know, good quarterbacks, good good offenses, um, and and honestly, pretty solid defenses across the board here too. Like you said, the Chargers kind of have brought in a handful of of names. Um, but the way I got this one shaken out, I'm still at the end of the day, um, whatever talent the Chargers have on their roster, um, taking Andy Reid coaching. Um, over what I saw out of the Chargers last season. So I'm taking the Chiefs to win this division, but it's not going to be as easy as it's been for Kansas City here lately. Um, this division is going to be real tough. I do have the Chargers finishing second just because I'm a, uh, a Justin Herbert somewhat fanboy, I guess you might say. Um, I'm a big believer in Justin Herbert. I think that offense is going to put up a lot of points. Uh, we always say that this is, you know, health – we, we judge these as if everybody stays healthy, but so I hate to make this argument, but I just cannot believe that everybody on that Chargers defense is going to stay healthy all year. So that worries me. They have a lot, a lot of uh, injury history. 
back there. But at the end of the day, on paper, that roster is loaded. So if those guys can stay healthy, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be tough to beat. I got the Broncos finishing third. Um, I like the additional Russell, and uh, they've got weapons there too. Um, and then the Raiders, I've got them, you know, finishing fourth. I know they brought in Devontae Adams, um, but I still I, I think you look at the four teams here in the division and the Raiders are the one that I feel the most nervous about, I guess, or the one that I have the least amount of belief in. Yeah, I'm kind of with you uh, on some of the most of it here. Uh, speaking of the Raiders, I just, you know, they have a no offensive line to speak of. So they can try to throw it to Devontae, but Derek Carr is getting sacked 20 times a game. So I have the Raiders four. I, I don't like their defense at all, really. I mean, I, it's they got some studs. I mean, Max Crosby, but I worry about their secondary, you know. And then you get, to, I like Denver at three. Uh, just, you know, we'll see what Russ can do here. A lot of offensive weapons. This is a really good defense, one of the better defenses he's had in the last few years. Bill, you know, I mean, those weapons, he's got the same type of weapons. But the best running backs he's probably ever, ever had since Marshawn in Seattle's heyday. Uh, we'll see what Denver can do. I like them at three. And then I'm with you on the Chargers at four. Chargers going to charge or somewhere down the road. And uh, until proven otherwise, like I said yesterday on Let's Talk Sports, the AFC West preview, uh, until proven otherwise, I got to pick Andy Reid to win this division. You know, I mean, eight straight years, until proven otherwise, like I'm still going to have to take the Chiefs. Yeah, kind of like I said earlier, um, you know, when, when things, when rosters look close, ultimately I look at quarterbacks and I look at coaches. And Mahomes and Herbert, you know, you got Russell Wilson. We've got Derek Carr, probably the fourth best quarterback in the division. And then when we're talking coaches, I've got Andy Reid, you know, ahead of the rest of them for sure. So at the end of the day, that's kind of why I had to go with Kansas City. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. So, Craig, let's get to it, man. Uh, big Super Bowl prediction. Like, who you got here playing in the Super Bowl? You're muted. You're muted. Sorry. I've looked at it a few different ways here. Um, the Bills, man, their their squad looks great. They look tough. They look like they're going to be um, a real tough out and a team that can make a deep playoff run um, here in the AFC. Um, I had the Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, Titans uh, winning divisions. Um, but I'm going to go with the Ravens. I said it earlier, man. I've, I've got a gut feeling that Lamar is just going to put things together this year. Um, and I know a lot of people question what the Ravens about them losing pieces on their defense, but they've added some pieces on, on their defense. And I Harbaugh is kind of almost like a Mike Tomlin, man. He's a guy that, you know, you, I, I trust what he's doing there. And I know they lost Hollywood Brown, but I think Rashad Bateman is going to be a big piece there. Mark Andrews is still a big piece there for Lamar. And uh, if they can keep their running backs healthy, um, I just think the Ravens are going to be somewhat of a problem. So I got the Ravens coming out of the AFC and then in the NFC um, to me, there's a lot of hard team. It, it's hard to buy into a Super Bowl team almost because a lot of these teams um, I can show you their holes. I don't think it's hard to predict uh, a team going back to back. So I'm going to have to, you know, take the Rams off my board. I can't go with green Bay because um, I just can't do it in my heart to pick the Packers to make the Super Bowl. And I don't know that I trust anybody coming out of the NFC East. 
So at the end of the day, I'm just going with, you know, riding into the sunset, old man Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks to come out of the NFC. I think this is why he came back. He didn't like the way things ended last year. He wanted to go out one more year with the Super Bowl. And it's Tom Brady, so it's just it's tough to bet against him. So I'm going Ravens, Bucks, Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I'm a lot of what you said. So actually, I had the Ravens winning just like you do. I have the Ravens in the Super Bowl. I was kind of on that uh, Lamar Jackson, but so I'm not going to pick the Ravens here. Uh, I am going to pick. Uh, I am going with the Colts now since you stole my Ravens pick. I wanted to be be different. This is it. That defense gets it done. The offense with Matt Ryan. So I'll take the Indy in the AFC. Uh, just, I had the Ravens, but I'm, I didn't want, I'll, I'll pick something different And the NFC. I, you know, uh, I'm not going to pick the Packers just because I feel like that makes me look like a Homer. Uh, so I, man, I've kind of gone back and forth. I, I don't know if the Rams can run it back. That's awful tough to do. We haven't seen that done in a long time. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you on the Bucks. I, but you know what? I'm I'm just gonna say the Rams again to be different. I thought about Tampa Bay, so I'm gonna say Rams and represents the NFC, and then I'll say Indy represents the AFC here. Uh, I'm shocked that you are not going with, uh, with, with the Packers, man. With a with a run game and a defense like that, I mean the Packers can be trouble. Uh, come I, I, I didn't want to be I didn't want to be a homer. Um, now, obviously, me, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Green Bay to. Uh, losing the playoffs like they normally do. But um, anybody that, that's trying to make a case for them, I mean, you, you, you almost can't argue it. The, the big thing is their wide receivers, but who knows by midseason, uh, these might be household names, you know. And, and we've seen, you know, guys like Tom Brady go out there and get to Super Bowls with wide receivers that you've never heard of. And Aaron Rodgers is, is just good enough to do it too, you know. Hey, Craig, hey, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about your fantasy people. And I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> I got you. So we're doing a segment on here where we were going to kind of talk about a couple of running backs and a couple of wide receivers that we we like a little bit better than their draft spots. And we were guys that we think are getting drafted a little bit too high. Um, so I'll start off with uh, some of the guys that I think are getting drafted in my book, a little too rich for my blood. Guys that are uh, are getting drafted too high for where I would like to take them. Um, one of those guys is Elijah Mitchell. Um, right now, um, a lot of the information I get is from Fantasy Pros. Um, I've been using them for a couple of years. I also check ESPN, kind of get the uh, consensus on most of these. Um, is, is where I got my numbers from. Um, but Elijah Mitchell, they've got him... Uh, consensus running back 23 or running back 21. Uh, my big thing with Elijah Mitchell is in San Francisco. It just seems like there's never, you're only the guy for so long. And uh, that so long is usually not very long. Um, I feel like Elijah Mitchell. So I heard a stat that uh, since Shanahan has been a head coach, there has never been a running back be his leading rusher in consecutive seasons. Uh, so it's tough for me to take Elijah Mitchell here as an RB2 um, and really put my trust in him uh, that high on the board. He's going ahead of guys uh, like A.J. Dillon, Josh Jacobs, Damian Pierce. I would take all three of those guys 
um, on my draft over Elijah Mitchell. What's up, Kenny? Hey, what's up, man? Bodkin said he was fighting an illness, and then whenever he took off, I figured I'd jump on real quick so you weren't running solo. Yeah. I agree with Elijah Mitchell, too, man. Shanahan keeps saying, everybody in camp keeps saying, they're going to run a committee no matter what, no matter what. So I I'm, I think it's Elijah Mitchell is going to wait So it's, it's – yeah, I just can't take – I can't take a Niners running back that high. Um, another guy, so we're, we're I was coming here with two running backs. Um, another guy that's going a little too rich for my blood is Travis Etienne. And at the end of the day, this pick right here could make me look foolish because he's got potential um, in a PPR fantasy league uh, to put up a lot of points. Um, right now he's going RB18, though, and that is just too high for me. He's a guy that we haven't seen do it at the NFL level. And even if he it stays healthy this year, you know, what kind of workload is he going to get? I'm still a believer that James Robinson is kind of the early down uh, work guy there. So Travis Etienne, I think is not, not somebody they're going to try to give a workhorse load to. I know him and Trevor have uh, some history. I know he's was a great pass catching back in college, but we haven't seen it translated to the NFL yet. So uh, personally, I just, I can't draft the guy um, that high going RB 18 overall. Well, Doug Peterson, he's never really ran an actual workhorse system either. Even when he had Miles Sanders, it, did, it didn't really matter who he had. He likes to run two backs. James Robinson, he's got NFL experience. You know that he can handle that 20-carry workload, so I doubt that they're going to give ETN coming off that ACL, you know, 25 touches a game. There's not really a reason to. It's not like they're going to be competing for a playoff spot or anything like that. Get him in the flow, kind of do what the Lions did with Swift last year, kind of work him into that 12 to 18 touches, and that still lets Robinson get his 10 to 14 and I think keeps them balanced and keeps everybody healthy. Right. And a guy that uh, that's going to get worked in, you know, and uh, might be on like a limited count early on in the season. I just can't I can't take him at RB18 overall. I can't take him as a top 20 back. No, not when they got him going in the second round, you know, late second, early third. Man, that's way too early for a guy that's going to be sharing work that, you know, for sure is going to be sharing work. You got wide receivers, you want my backs. I do have wide receivers. Um, I can get straight into my wide receivers here. Um, I've got DJ Moore here. Uh, this is another one that could make me look foolish at the end of the year because I was just talking about how I'm kind of buying into the Baker Mayfield train this year, and then I'm going to sit here and say DJ Moore is getting drafted too high. Uh, but he's going wide receiver 13, and for me that's just a little high for for DJ Moore. I know he's been a solid guy here, um, but I also saw a stat – that nobody in history has had more than one season of 1,100 yards and four touchdowns or less, and DJ Moore's done it three straight. Um, so to me, that's a little bit concerning. It's a little more of a pattern that this guy just has trouble getting the ball in the end zone uh, for whatever reason. Now, the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, could change all of that. Uh, like I said, I, I, I could look foolish, but at the same time, wide receiver 13, he's going ahead of um, – both, both Chargers receivers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, he's going ahead of Terry McLaurin. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm taking all probably all those guys over DJ Moore um, just because when when guys have question marks like DJ Moore does for me, um, it's hard for me to take him wide receiver 13 right there. Depending on how early um, your draft goes, you know, you're taking DJ Moore to be your wide receiver one. And to me, that's risky. I think that to draft him a wide receiver 13, you're taking him at his ceiling, which – 
like you said, we could all look foolish and he could hit that ceiling and it looks okay, but it's hard for me to draft a guy at a ceiling. I don't feel like I'm getting maximum value there because I need him to live up to that. Uh, the one the one argument I would have about that is we know that Baker will freeze the receiver out. And the way Robbie Anderson was tweeting, uh, whenever uh, the Baker rumor started going around, I think uh, you could see a situation where DJ Moore gets force-fed 10, 12 targets a game. And that could be very, very good for him. Um, quarterbacks, I would definitely blame on DJ Moore's history as far as the end zone. And CMC. I mean, it's hard to really – you get in the red zone, it's hey, give the ball to Christian, give the ball to Christian. So it's really – there's factors that play into that. It's hard for me to think that Baker's really going to be a huge uptick, though. I definitely think the quarterback – and this is the best quarterback that's ever thrown him in football. But, I mean, Baker's not going to throw for 40 touchdowns. You know, so I do think that you'll see DJ Moore get up to that seven or eight touchdown range, but I don't think we're looking at 12, 13, 14, any sort of all pro year. I do think he has a good year, though. And that's, I mean, kind of like you you alluded to, man, you, you hit the, the nail on the head with CMC is the red zone, you know, workhorse for that team. He has been for the last couple of years. So, I mean, really all the pieces on their team get him down the field and, and McCaffrey gets the touchdown. So whenever he's healthy, that's just kind of how they operate. Um so, yeah, I mean, and, and who knows about Christian McCaffrey's health here this year. Um, but it's – I don't know. I think I think Carolina, like I said, I've, I've picked them second in the division. I think they're going to make a little bit of noise, but I don't necessarily think that that offense is going to carry, you know, Christian McCaffrey as a top five back and then DJ Moore is uh, almost a top ten wide receiver. Um, I just think, you know, somewhere in there, numbers-wise, um, DJ Moore takes a little bit of a fall back. Yeah, if he takes a little bit of fallback with yards, takes a little uptick with touchdowns, probably even out. But that's going to even out to, what, wide receiver 18, 19? Probably not 13. And I think that changes a lot. Right. And I and and that's like, I mean, let's let's be clear on all of this. I'm not sitting here saying DJ Moore is going to have a terrible year. I've still got DJ Moore pretty high on my board. I'm just here to say, you know, these guys are just a little too rich for my blood. I can't take them where they're going. No, I think we agree. We like to draft DJ Moore as a true wide receiver, too, if we can. And that way, if we get that wide receiver upside out of him, then our team now that now he becomes a league winner, where if you're drafting him at that wide receiver one and he gives you low end wide receiver two, like he's typically done, then you're kind of in that spot where where you missed out. There's going to be guys that you look at on either side that probably kept you out of the playoffs or maybe knocked you out of the playoffs that you could have a chance to get if you passed on him. Right. You can't you can't. You can take risks every now and again drafting guys at their ceiling, but, I mean, eventually you draft enough guys at their ceiling, you're going to get guys that hit their floor, and it's good. For me, man, I like to I like to get guys with, uh, with a solid floor as well um, at my draft position. And like I said, um, some of these guys, it's not necessarily that I think they're ranked too high. It's just that there's guys behind them that I would take, um, you know, so that's kind of part of the reason they made, made the list here. Um, and then my fourth wide receiver – um, I didn't change it up because I wasn't sure if you were having a baby today or not. I know we kind of went the same direction uh, one way, but it's Debo Samuel. And again, it's nothing, no knock against Debo Samuel. Um, but I think right now people are drafting him off flat off of last year. And for one, the quarterback position is going to be a lot different. So the offense is going to look a lot different. Trey Lance is going to get some, some running in that offense. And I think you're going to see a little tick back, um, in the run game for Debo there. And then I also think just the way that Trey Lance plays, I think um, a guy like George Kittle might be uh, 
kind of what you see is that security blanket um, that Debo was for Jimmy G last year. Um, and I also think Brandon Ayuk's going to kind of get worked back into a bigger role this year. Again, nothing against Debo. I think Debo's going to have a good year, but I just don't think that he's going to go. Uh, right now, he's going wide receiver six overall, I believe. Yeah, and, wide receiver yeah. six, and then number sixteen overall in PPR. Yeah, for me, that's just just a little too rich for for Debo. Now that's drafting maybe even a little above his ceiling, to be honest. Um, I think you kind of see saw last year a healthy Kittle is bad for Debo as well. Um, it's very good for the Niners for a healthy Kittle. It's very good for the Niners if Debo is a bust in fantasy. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that as far as, like, he has a bad year. I mean, if you draft him in the first round or the early second and you end up getting fourth or fifth round production out of him, that's probably good for the Niners because it means that Kittle stayed healthy. It means that Lance took off and scrambled a little more. It means that the run game worked. There's no reason they should ever want to give Debo eight to ten carries a game. You know, the Falcons use Peters or Patterson that way, and I think that they're completely – a lot of the same style-wise, completely different as far as where they're at in their career. You don't want to do that to Debo. Um, I do think he's definitely going to get some carries. you got to look for Trey Lance to scramble more in the red zone, too. Once he can see the goal line, he's going to take off. Those young guys with wheels typically do, and that's going to hurt Debo a lot, too. He got a lot of red zone carries last year, especially when Elijah Mitchell started getting hurt. Trey Sermon wasn't playing like everybody thought he would. Jeff Wilson hurt. Raheem Mostert hurt. You got to think if they're healthy that Debo's already going to take a back tick anyway. There's going to be some natural regression there, um, so I think that's why he made both of our lists for going too high. Yeah, and you got to think that uh, you know as much as they ran Debo last year, a lot there's going to be a lot of fakes to Debo and keeps for Trey Lance this year. And I think part of it, I mean, at one point last year, it was like San Francisco was just losing running backs left and right, and it was like they handed the ball off to Debo a couple times, and we're like, hey, this guy's the best rusher we got on the team. We're just going to keep on handing him the ball. Um, but I don't think that that's kind of their plan moving forward to continue to use Debo like that. Eventually, you you know, you run the guy into the ground. So now um, he's a twenty two million dollar a year man. Now it's a whole different ball game. Right. Exactly. So I think I mean, just just naturally, I think you see, you know, a kickback in production there. I agree um, for my two high guys. Uh, Debo obviously was there. Uh, Chase is mine. My other receiver. Um Great offense. Obviously, I think they're going to put up great numbers. He had an amazing year last year. Don't want to take nothing away from him. Wide receiver three overall, number nine overall right now in PPR, ADP. And that's – uh, you start talking about three wide receivers going in the first round, boys, and they better be sure things. And you got to think Jamar is going to get a bunch of extra, extra coverage this year. People got a whole year of tape. They got a year of tape on what the Bengals offense looks like now. Bengals beefed up the O-line, too. you got to think it's going to be good news for Mixon. you got to think it's going to be good news for uh, for Burrow to be protected a little bit more, which means he's going to be able to look further than just Jamar Chase. Uh, so you got to think that, that Higgins, as long as he's healthy and that shoulder's okay, that him and Boyd are going to get a little more. Man, you know, in our league of record, I'm picking there at 12 at the turn, and at 12 I'm not picking Chase. So there's no way I can do it at, at not number nine overall. So he made my two high list um, as well. Running backs, uh, Javante Williams, running back 14, number 25 overall right now. That's that's a high-end uh, running back two. Uh, number 25 overall is right there at that turn. Again, if I'm picking at the 2-3 turn, I'm not picking him. That's just kind of – I don't think I can do it. Uh, everybody in Broncos camps come out and said that Melvin Gordon is absolutely going to be a piece. Melvin Gordon is still getting paid. They're going to make sure they're getting that, that use out of him. 
And there's no reason to go burn Javante out right now either. Uh, you know, they were able to kind of keep some of that workload off from last year, a little bit of injury help with that, but the team just wasn't necessarily good enough to really go out and burn him out. I do think that he finished the year strong enough that people are going to want to pick him there, but you're definitely drafting him at a ceiling, I think. And that, I just don't know about that. I can't do that. And then, uh, I hate to say it, man, the homer in me, it hurts to do it, but but Zeke's my other running back that's going just way too high, man. Uh, checked uh, right before we came on. Running back 16, number 30 overall. That's late second round, and or middle third round, sorry. And uh, I just don't think that the way Tony Pollard finished the season last year and the explosiveness that he showed, the way they were going to want to use him and need to work him in more, I just don't think that you're going to get a third-round production out of Zeke this year. Yeah, I kind of agree with you along the way there. So, um, so they're a wide receiver. We both had Debo, and then you had uh, Jamar Chase. And, I mean, you know, in our fantasy league, I'm picking a pick before you and a pick after you. And it would be tough with uh, some of the, the guys on the board there for me to take Chase um, in the first round for sure, I think. Um, now, I mean, I do think, you know, he's going to be a very productive wide receiver. Um, but I'm a believer in the Super Bowl loser hangover, and I've, I've stated it and mentioned it more than once. And I, I worry about the Bengals a little bit. The division is tough. Um, and like you said, if if the O-line is beefed up a little bit and Burrow's got time in the pocket, Jamar Chase is great, but T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are no slouches. So, I mean, he's got pieces and weapons out there all over the place. So it's not – I mean, I know – Justin Jefferson is right there on fantasy boards with Jamar Chase. But to me, the competition there in Minnesota, Justin Jefferson is the clear, the clear step above everybody. And they're in Cincinnati. I mean, the, the weapons are kind of better all over, I think, for Joe Burrow. Um, so I kind of agree with you there with Jamar Chase. Uh, running back wise, Zeke, I was going to gonna argue it. I mean, Zeke had over 40 catches last year. He was a thousand yard rusher, 10 touchdowns. I mean, it's, pretty solid back. I think overall he finished in the top 10 of uh, running backs, but he also played a lot more games than uh, uh, a lot of those guys up there. I think his per game average, he wasn't uh, a top 10 back, but then whenever you said he's going at 30 overall, I mean, I can't, I can't argue because I can't take Zeke that high. If I'm on the board and I've got the 30th pick, um, I know there's guys on there that I would take over Zeke. So I can't really argue. Um, I can't argue that pick there. No, it's hard, man. I mean, you've seen – I don't want to call it a decline because he has still kind of put up – at the end of the season, his numbers are going to be okay. You know, at the end of this, at the end of the season, you're going to be able to look back and say, hey, Zeke was a contributor to my fantasy team. But if I'm drafting a dude in the third round, I need him every single week, no doubt about it. It has to be starting for me. And I had Zeke and Tony Pollard last year, and Zeke was untradeable at the deadline. I couldn't get rid of him. Couldn't dump him for nothing. I couldn't uh, trade him and Pollard together to upgrade. And I the, think that just that was killing Zeke there for a while. This, um, you know, Pollard just per, per attempt and per touch uh, was getting, I mean, gaining way more yards than Zeke was. And if that's something that continues early on in the year, then, I mean, you don't know what you might be getting from Zeke come, you know, week seven, week eight, uh, to be taking him at 30 overall. I mean, yeah, I, I can't argue you, man. That's just too risky. Now, the worst thing that happened to Zeke was, was getting banged up last year and Pollard looking as good as he did. Because now it's 
Now it's not even Zeke's losing his job. It's Pollard has earned more carries, and he's shown that we can get Zeke off the field, get Pollard out there, and the offense is going to be fun. No offense, yeah, the offense might even get a little more versatile and get a little better. Tony Pollard was one of my honorable mentions here um, on guys that I liked, um, you know, that I kind of thought were, were down the board a little bit because – because of what he showed last year and, you know, Dallas has come out and said, you know, with, uh, you, you know, losing Amari, Michael Gallup banged up that they're using Tony Pollard in the slot a little bit. So um, fantasy purposes, I mean, if you become the Tony Pollard owner, you, you got to love that. But at the same time, if that guy's out there balling and, and Zeke's not getting it, you know, at what point is Zeke just kind of the goal line guy? Um, you know, he'll post some touchdowns, but it's not a guy that you want. You know, depending how you draft there um, at 30th overall, you know, if you go wide receiver, wide receiver, you're taking Zeke as your RB1. And that's, I mean, yeah, like you said, just that's just too high for me. You can't draft a guy that's touchdown dependent to be your every week RB1 or RB2, I don't think. Touchdown dependent, that's a flex move. Right. And you don't draft flex guys in the third round. I don't draft flex guys in the third round. And that's why we pick 11th and 12th. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's it for two highs. You want to get started on two lows? Yeah, so um, I'm going to start here with the running backs um, that I think are too low. And it pains me, man. It, hurt, it hurts me to say it because I'm a Bears fan. But I think both these Green Bay running backs um, are a little low for me. Um, Aaron Jones, I mean, he's still going high. He's going running back 13. But he's going behind Javante. Um, he's going behind um, – DeAndre Swift, who personally, I think DeAndre Swift is going to see a little bit less in the passing game. I think Aaron Jones is going to see a little bit more. I think Aaron Jones is going to lead Green Bay in receptions by the end of the year. Um, everybody's kind of talking about, you know, who's going to be the wide receiver one there. Uh, we've known Aaron Rodgers for a long time to be a believer in the guys that he trusts. Uh, when he trusts Jordy Nelson, Jordy Nelson was the guy. Uh, they brought Randall Cobb back just because that's the guy that Aaron Rodgers trusts. And you look at that roster, I don't think he trusts anybody on the offense more than maybe Randall Cobb and Aaron Jones. Um, and Aaron Jones, talent-wise, I think, you know, especially because they got a guy like A.J. Dillon that can handle a bulk of the rushing, you can do a lot more with Aaron Jones. So I think, you know, Aaron Jones – Last year, he had uh, 65 targets, and I think that number goes way up this year. Uh, he had over 50 catches last year. I think that number goes way up this year. It only helps him out in fantasy. Um, I do think A.J. Dillon's going to take a big workload out of the backfield, but I still think Aaron Jones is going to get enough of it that, to go along with the passing work he gets. Uh, I've got Aaron Jones finishing as a top 10 back, and then they have A.J. Dillon uh, right now as RB22 going 50th overall. Um and to me, he made my list just because guys ahead of him, um, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Elijah Mitchell, I'm taking A.J. Dillon over all those guys just because I, I feel like there's a lot of question marks there on the board. And A.J. Dillon, I mean, he's – you saw last year the role that he was taking, and with the question marks they have at wide receiver and a guy as versatile as Aaron Jones and what you can do with him, I think A.J. Dillon's just going to get a lot of carries back there. Um, and he's shown that he can be involved in the passing game, too. So I've got both of these guys um, higher up my board than what they're at, um, at least consensus-wise. Bro, I, I'm with you on that. Um, Aaron Jones, that's 75 to 80 catches this year, right? Yeah, I, that's about where I've got him, too. Yeah, I, I don't want to call that a floor because I don't want to set, I don't want it to get too hot-takey. But, man, that just seems like it's not going to really be that hard for him to do. He was doing that last year when they had three or four wide receivers. Well, two and a half wide receivers anyway. But 
what's he he's going to be running the slot this year it's going to look exactly like what we've been running in camp down in depth i keep saying what the cowboys been running down in camp uh with with pollard in the slot and zeke in the backfield except better because they have aaron jones that can rush uh, run out to the slot and aj Dillon back there and i think that with what aj Dillon did last year and you hit it right on the head with the questions of wide receiver as well there's no reason why Dylan and Jones aren't on the field both a lot together. Yeah, I don't I don't see I don't see Green Bay as much of a split backfield. I see a lot of of sets with both those guys on the field. No, me too, man. I think that it's hard to really say that that Dylan's getting drafted too low just cuz RB22, I mean that's that's a low end RB2 for for a backup. So it is. So that's you can there's going to be people that argue that's probably too high. But at the end of the year, the production, that's what it's going to end up being. Now, it might be a game where he ends up getting 18 carries one day and the wind was blowing or whatever. And he goes for two touchdowns and 120 yards. And that some a couple games like that will help boost him into that RB2 ranking. Um, But he's going to get enough workload that by the end of the year, you can run him and Aaron Jones in your lineup both. Which if I've if I get Aaron Jones at the turn, that's what I've been targeting in a lot of mocks, is trying to get get Dylan at the the three four turn, uh, then just double him up and I'll leave Dylan in the flex all year. Right, yeah, and that's that's not a terrible strategy. And I'm I'm in a it's a ten man league, and it's a little questionable uh, the way some of the people drafted in there. But I got AJ Dylan as my bench running back, and I've got three running backs ahead of him on my depth chart. And I mean, I feel fantastic about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just did a draft. Uh, had Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon was my first bench back. Then yeah, I started drafting wide receivers, and I think if I you see, can get AJ Dillon there in a flex spot or even a bench spot, man, you got. I mean, you cannot be upset with it. If if you get Aaron Jones, I think you have to make it a priority to look for AJ Dillon, even if you feel like you have to reach for him, just because it's the ultimate handcuff. Because he's a guaranteed RB one if Aaron Jones ever goes down, and he's still that RB three with RB two upside with Aaron Jones on the field. And vice versa, you know, if if AJ Dillon goes down, I mean, Aaron Jones has potential to be number one back in football. He goes right back to what he was. He was a top three back for what two, three years. Right. Yeah. And if AJ if AJ Dillon goes down, I mean, Aaron Jones is right back to the Alvin Kamara type that we've seen, the Christian McCaffrey type that challenges for RB one every single week. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, my first. Uh, we're gonna go back and forth now. Okay. My first two low back was Damian Pierce, and I went – he was a little lower whenever I, I first started looking at him um, in our Let's Talk Sports League. I picked him up uh, very last round. Uh, with He was my very last round, my very last pick. Now he's going RB27, 87 overall, uh, which is still in that eighth round, and I think if you're looking at a guy that – they got him RB27, I just think that – that it's just a lot closer to, to RB16, RB15, RB17 range, just at a sheer volume. I mean, he's going to be the clear starter down there. He's going to be a workhorse type. They cut Marlon Mack. That was really the biggest threat to him. And so I really think that when you look at Damian Pierce, if you can get Damian Pierce in the eighth round, you're, you could put him in as an RB2. But if you get him in the eighth, now he's your first or second flex. And, I mean, my gosh. If you can get him as your second – I mean, we run three flexes in our league of record. If you can get him as your second or third flex or your first bench back, bro, number one, it's the best trade piece there is in the whole entire league. Or you get to trade your RB2 to upgrade to an actual RB1 because you got an RB2 sitting on your bench. Yeah, I can't argue that, man. Uh, I mean, eighth round for 
a guy that's going to be a workhorse back, even on a bad team, man, we've seen workhorse backs be great for fantasy. And like you said, man, cutting Marlon Mack, that was kind of the icing on the cake there. Um, with everything that they've done in the preseason, it definitely looks like Damian Pierce is going to be the guy um, getting all the workload there. So anybody, I mean, anybody in fantasy that's touching the ball close to 20 times a game, I'll want them. And if you can get a guy in the eighth round uh, that's seeing the ball that much, I mean, t- that's a steal every day. If you're going to project R, uh, A.J. Dillon as RB22, you cannot project a dude who's going to get 18 to 20 every week at not points, 18 to 20 carries every week at RB37 or 27. So I just I think that he's going to finish way higher than people think. And for where you can get him, I think that some people, I think that some people just look at him like, oh, Texans stink. So why would you want somebody from that team? Well, because volume. Volume is the only thing that matters in fantasy. And that's what people got to look at. You can't look at, how good or bad the team is. Now, don't get me wrong. A good offense helps, but volume is the number one indicator of everything. If you can get a guy with volume, especially late, because volume is guaranteed opportunities to score. And so if you can get a guy like that, that's going to get 18 to, to 20 carries or opportunities a game in the, the eighth to ninth to 10th round, bro, that's a steal. Especially a running back, man, because there are so many shared backfields in the league. So, even on a bad team, I mean, a bad team is going to no matter what they're going to try to establish a run. You're gonna your your running back is going to take it now. High powered offenses, the receivers become more valuable. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, workhorse backs are getting harder and harder to find across the league. I mean, most of them you look up, most of them's gone. You know, in the first two rounds of a fantasy draft, now there's no more real workhorse backs after that, unless if you're kind of striking gold on some guys. Um, so, yeah, anytime you can get a guy that's touching the ball 18 to 20 times a game, um, you, you want that on your team. And if you can have that as a flex position, then you're in good shape. I think that when you look back, there's going to be people that drafted Clyde, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, and they're going to look back and say, man, we could have got somebody else there and just waited on Damian Pierce and been a lot better off. Right. Yeah. All, those, all those guys might be sharing their backfield. Damian Pierce is probably not. Right, and that's that's the thing, man. And I think the, the Texans were in a lot of games last year, and they didn't gut the offensive line when they could have. They didn't trade Laramie Tunsil. They brought in Lovey Smith. You know, he's a defense-first, run-the-ball kind of guy. Right, I was going to say, it's a Lovey Smith-ran team, so they're going to run the ball. That's it, man. I think that when you look at a guy like that, he's he's, he's going way too low. I wish, I wish that all of our fans weren't people that are in our fantasy league because, you know, we're sitting here, and I just know that – no matter what, we're putting out in the world that this is what I'm looking to do. So I know I'm not going to get him, but I do have shares in him in my other league, so I can still at least look at it with some silver lining. Hey, no doubt. Who's your second back? So I, I went Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. I'm going to kind of do that as a combo. Uh, my second back here, and I, I was kind of back and forth. I was on the other side of fence with him for a little bit, um, but I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. Um, Kenyon Drake just left. Um, I feel like the Raiders are still a team that is going to try to run the football. Um, Josh Jacobs last year at the end of the year finished as RB 12. He's going as RB 21 right now. And like I said, he lost Kenyon Drake. Now I know there's other hands in that backfield still. Um, but Josh Jacobs has been a solid piece and I kind of look for him to have a little more of a bounce back year this year. Um, with the Raiders. Now the, the thing that worries me the most is that offensive line. Um, cause there's a whole lot of questions there at that offensive line, but I still think kind of like we said, um, with Pierce, I, I think Josh Jacobs is going to get the volume, um, there in Vegas. So I think RB 21, 
Um, he's going overall 57. So his overall kind of seems like it's right in the, in the right range, but whenever I'm looking at his stats and where he finished last year and how I kind of feel like he had a down year, uh, but where he still finished, I feel like Josh Jacobs is a guy that could have a bounce back year and finish much better than RB 21. Yeah. He's the guy that you can draft in the fifth round. And if everything goes right, he's going to give you late second, early third production. And that, I mean, that's what you're looking to do in those rounds when you're drafting your RB3. You're hoping, hey, man, if he can give me that that RB2 upside, then boom, you got another back and you got a good flex piece that other people may not have. Uh, I think the biggest thing the biggest thing with him, man, is he's this the, the least amount of people that are going to be in the box of his whole entire career at the snap. You know, with the pickup Devontae, they got Hunter Renfro, they got Darren Waller. There's just a lot of pieces out there. You're not going to be able to put seven or eight in the box and just double team Waller every single time. Uh, so I think that's going to help him out. The biggest worry I have is Josh McDaniels, and that's not because I don't think that he's a good offensive coach. I think it's because he's too good of an offensive coach, and he's not going to just let one dude sit back there and get get the bulk of the workload. You know, it's not very often we ever saw that happen in New England either, uh, where one dude just sat back there and got 15 to 20 touches a game. Um it worries me. I guess I was worried a little bit in the preseason when he was he was playing into the fourth quarter in some of those preseason games, and that was kind of – I don't know if that's just something they're trying to do there, if they were trying to prove a point, maybe light a fire under him or what. That kind of had me worried a little bit uh, that maybe they were going to try to move him or possibly he might be cut. But like you said, cutting Kenyon Drake, that's only got to be good news for, for Josh Jacobs because everybody else on the roster is only going to be using the passing game where Drake was getting touches too. Uh, so I do think that – Kind of like you said, the overall where he's going in that in that fifth round probably is kind of where he belongs. But he's definitely a dude that you're looking at when you pick him up and you're thinking, man, I got a lot of upside potential here. And so that he can definitely make a too low list and be just fine on it. My second is going to piggyback off of one of your two high guys, actually. And I'll go back to the Jacksonville backfield with uh, with James Robinson. They got him right now. Projected RB 38, 112th overall. 112. He's in my Let's Talk Sports League undrafted. I picked him up like two weeks after the draft after I made a two-for-one trade and had an open bench spot. And they got him projected, I think, like four points for week one or something like that. Something just stupid low for a guy that if you look at the way that, that Peterson used the Jordan Howard types and those guys, well, he loves a big bruiser to just get down in the red zone and just feed him the ball. And ETN's going to get a lot of passing game work. I think James Robinson's going to get a lot of that first and second down work, the between the tackles work. And that's going to be, what, 10 to 14? And you hope that maybe four or five of those are red zone touches. And if you're doing that, hell, you're going to touch down a game out of them, right? And I think if you're looking at that, you got to look at a guy that you can pick up and maybe not necessarily play in the flex. But if you're in a pinch and you lose a couple guys to injury, that's going to be a guy I think you can plug in. You're know, a plug and play on a bye week type of guy for sure, man. Um, yeah, he's going he's going real late. And I have heard that, you know, they think that there's a possibility he could miss the first couple of games. Um, but still, man, we're going undrafted, like like you said, and and like I said earlier, part of the reason I think at the end is too high is because I think James Robinson is gonna play a role in that backfield. Um, A, just because Travis NTN, you can't give him that kind of a workload. And James Robinson has, has proved that he can be a productive back. Um, and like you said, Doug Peterson, I mean, everything just fits that James Robinson's going to be getting the first and second down work. Um, NTN's going to be in their third down and in the passing game mostly. 
So yeah, it's crazy to me that James Robinson's going that low as well. How many how many seasons have we seen Doug Peterson's a head coach searching for a guy, even week three, week four, just a big bruiser type? I think the last time they brought Jordan Howard in, it was week seven or eight. He didn't even have any practices. They just threw him in there and he got like six or eight red zone touches that game. You know, he's always looking for a guy and he showed up in Jacksonville with a dude. You know, James Robinson showing he's a dude when you give him the ball. And yeah. so I don't think that you're just going to look at that and be like, sorry, buddy. ETN's going to get every single – you know, Robinson's going to get his work, I think. Right. James Robinson didn't didn't play himself out of a job. He got hurt. And up until the point that he got hurt, um, he was playing great. So I, I just don't feel like he's a guy that, that doesn't get those snaps now that he's back. No, um, man. I mean, honestly, best-case scenario, maybe worst-case scenario, if you don't end up needing him, just wait and t- no, just wait and trade him to the ETN owner when the time's right, because I feel feel like that time's probably going to be right at some point. Yeah, for sure. I feel like James Robinson. This isn't a Marlon Mack situation. This isn't a uh, you know a Jonathan Taylor sitting there, a guy that can can be your your workhorse. I mean, I feel like James Robinson. There's plenty of snaps on the table for him uh, when he's back healthy. No, I agree 100. Um, percent What do you got? Uh, who's your first wide receiver? So the first wide receiver I'm going with here, um, he's going wide receiver 21, 48th overall, um, Deontay Johnson. And to me, there's just there's guys that are going ahead of him that I can't take over him. Deontay Johnson last year was wide receiver number eight overall with Ben Roethlisberger there. Uh, they lost Juju in the passing game. They lost James Washington, I mean, who wasn't a big loss because he's a deep threat and Big Ben couldn't throw it deep. Um, but still, I mean, they lost two receivers. They were, they're bringing in pickings, but I think Deontay is still the clear cut guy. Uh, we saw what Mitch did with Allen Robinson, uh, for fantasy purposes, uh, whenever Allen Robinson was kind of his number one guy. Um, I think Deontay Johnson is still going to get tons of work. Like I said, he finished number eight overall last year with Ben Roethlisberger. He's going as wide receiver 21 overall this year. Uh, to me, that's just a huge gap. Uh, even if Deontay Johnson does take a step back in production, I just don't think it's that far. I've got him somewhere kind of in the teens there, definitely above wide receiver 21. Um, so if I could get him, I mean, 48th overall, you know, he's going late fourth round. I feel like that's a that's a good spot to get a guy that was a top 10 wide receiver last year. Uh, dude, I would take him at the turn, at the at the 4-5 turn. That's a guy you're looking at picking up your wide receiver two there. I'll take D. If you can get Deontay Johnson as your wide receiver two, He's got wide receiver one upside. You got to think people are just looking at Mitch and saying run from Mitchell Trubisky, right? Yeah, but even like like kind of like I said, man, we saw what Allen Robinson was a top 10 wide receiver with Mitchell Trubisky because Mitchell Trubisky, if he finds the guy that he likes, he likes that guy. That's his first look. That offensive line looks tough, so Mitch might be throwing all, to his first look every time. He might not be getting through all of his reads. Um, so I just feel like Deontay Johnson is a guy that, you know, at the end of the year it's going to be because – of the volume. I feel like he's just going to get a ton of volume there in that offense. And so I've got him, I've definitely got him over wide receiver 21. I feel like if you can be top 10 wide receiver last year with Ben Roethlisberger on a, on a mediocre team um, with Juju also, there getting some, some of the work. I, I don't know why Deontay Johnson can't be in the, at least in the top 15 this year. Uh, Deontay Johnson or Jalen Waddle. So I've actually got Jalen. So a couple of the guys I've got here listed that are going ahead of Deontay that I would take Deontay over. I've got Jalen Waddle listed as one of them. I've got uh, DK Metcalf another. I've got Gabe Davis. I'm gonna take Deontay Johnson over all of these guys. I would take um, I would take Deontay over DK and Gabe Davis, but I would take Jalen Waddle over Deontay Johnson. See, the only thing that's scaring me is 
I just can tie can can Tua carry two top twenty wide receivers? Doesn't have um, to think about Mike McDaniel coming over, Debo Samuel last year, Jalen Waddle this year. And, and and I and I understand that, but I just think I think Tyreek has got to be in the top twenty, and I don't think two is carrying two top twenty guys. So I've I've got Deontay, like I said, around fifteen range wide receiver wise, and I've got Jalen Waddle just outside my top twenty. I think that the the reason why I said people are running for Mitch Trubisky is because in that exact scenario, I'm going to take Tua and Mike McDaniel's offense over Mitch Trubisky. And that's why I would take Waddle over Johnson there. I've done a lot of mocks, and that's a that's a situation I run into a lot at the at the three four turn, right when I'm picking at the beginning of the fourth, and I really need a wide receiver too, and I know it's going to be twenty three picks before I pick again. I've really had to think about that, and I've done it both ways, and I'm not upset either either way. I think right honestly, at the end of the day, I think they're both. I mean, pretty good picks right there at the turn. Johnson's um, just concussions, right? Just stay on the field. If he stays on the field, I think I seen a stat uh, last year. You said he finished wide receiver eight. There was only two wide receivers that had more yards and touchdowns than him, and it was Tyreek and Devonte Adams. Yeah. So, so and, mean, and he's he's doing his job, you know. Again, I just think the reason I got Deontay slightly over Jalen Waddle is. Um, is the usage, you know, I think with Tyreek, they're bringing Tyreek in there that Miami's going to do, they're going to run plays and do things to get the ball in Tyreek's hand. Um, not necessarily that it's going to hurt Jalen Waddle. Um, but I just, I, I've got a guy like Deontay just slightly above him, man. I just think Deontay's going to get tons of volume there in Pittsburgh this year. Well, I imagine I know where both those guys are going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first wide receiver going too low. Um, we're going to go up north to Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Alan Lazard. Uh, they got him right now going wide receiver 43, number 103 overall for Aaron Rodgers' Aaron Rodgers's projected wide receiver one. Wide receiver 43 for the projected number one receiver for one of the best to ever do it. Back-to-back -back MVP. That is just preposterously way too low. I don't know how you can ever make those rankings and feel good about it. I've targeted Alan Lazard. Every single draft I've been in. The drafts I've missed him in, I've tried to trade with people. I've only missed him twice, and I've tried to trade immediately. And it's easy to have people feel like you're overpaying for him because of where they drafted him, even though there's – he's 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns. He's a, he, So, Alan Lazard is a guy that's getting – drafted at his floor if you draft him where you're getting him no matter what you're not going to get any less than the production that you deserve out of that draft spot it can i feel like it can only go up now there is a lot of questions you know some people think you know uh christian watkins maybe even romeo dobbs some two rookies one of those could become kind of the wide receiver one there um but out of the gate i mean your betting money is on lazard and and for as late as he's going the risk to reward there man you can't argue that uh, like you said, that's potentially Aaron Rodgers' number one wide receiver. Well, um, you brought it up really, earlier. You said that Rodgers loves dudes he can trust. Lazard's been there. That means no matter what, he's going to have that trust. Now, I know Aaron Rodgers has a lot of stuff in, in the offseason, a lot of stuff in pressers when a mic's in his face. But he did – I mean, we know Alan Lazard's not a Hall of Famer. But Aaron Rodgers said, you know, I've gone from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer before. And he wasn't meaning that Alan Lazard's a Hall of Famer. He's meaning you guys need to understand Alan Lazard's not a bad football player. You know, he right. got and, his and guts ripped open last year is the only reason he didn't finish the year as a wide receiver, too. 
out of any of the guys that he could have referenced, you know, just the fact that Alan Lazard is the guy that he referenced lets you know that in Aaron Rodgers' mind, that's his wide receiver one. So no, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that he's a guy that you look at. I look at Lazard almost in the same realm that I do Russell Gage, as far as you can get him pretty late, and the first six weeks is going to be the maximum value you're going to get out of those guys, because at, by midseason you're going to see some of those rookies in Green Bay start to catch on. You're going to see Rodgers start to trust him a little bit more and start to feed him a little bit more. But early on, it's going to be a lot of Aaron Jones and a lot of Alan Lazard in the passing game. And so I think that you can look at a guy like Lazard, throw him in your flex for the first few weeks, trade him week four or five, and you probably just maximize everything you'll ever get out of him for a ninth, tenth round pick. For sure. And, and I mean, who knows, man? A guy like Alan Lazard has the potential to kind of stay that number one. Um, there in Green Bay, like you kind of said, Russell Gage is kind of in that same category. But I feel like Russell Gage, like you can see the writing on the wall that when, when if Julio's there, Chris Godwin's there, and that offense gets healthy, you know, at some point Russell Gage is going to be Scotty Miller. He's going to have a couple big games in there, and there's going to be games where he's just completely forgotten about. And Alan Lazard, I feel like he's going to be he's going to be a, a reliable piece in that offense all year. Um, you know, he might the role might slow down because I think he is going to get a lot of heavy work um, early on. Like you said, those rookies will catch on. Um, but I think he's going to be a solid piece there in the offense all season. He's a dude that you're going to draft in the ninth or tenth round, and you can put him in your flex week one through week whenever your season's over and be just fine as long as he's healthy. Yeah. Early on, he might be a wide receiver, too, with one upside. And then as the rookies catch on, he might be a three with two upside. But no matter what, you can put him in your flex and be just fine. If you can get a guy in the tenth round and get wide receiver three numbers out of him in your flex, you take that every single week. All right. Like I said, you're getting him, you know, you're getting him at his floor. So, you know, getting them there in the 10th round, you're almost guaranteed not to get any worse than 10th round production out of Alan Lazard. It can only go up. I feel That's like. value drafting. No matter how you look at that, if you're getting him in the ninth or 10th round, you're getting seventh round production out of him. You just value drafted your ass off. And then, uh, so I'll move on here. My, my other wide receiver, um, I'm kind of going out on a limb, a little bit of a gut feeling here, but I'm going to go with Christian Kirk. Um, right now he's going wide receiver 40 overall, uh, 94th. Um, I feel like they paid him and brought him in to be the number one. So they, I mean, they're going to at least try to get the ball into his hands. Um, the Jaguars offense, it's hard to put any kind of trust in it. Um, Christian Kirk finished the season last year, wide receiver 26. Um, really as, you know, the two slash three guy there in Arizona. So I feel like uh, just the fact that he's getting brought in to be the number one guy, he's going to get more more opportunities, not necessarily that they're going to amount to a whole lot more, um, but in a PPR league, catches matter. So I feel like if you're the guy getting the work, um, that's going to matter. So I've got Christian Kirk a little bit higher on my board, uh, wide receiver 40. Uh, his biggest threat really, I feel like uh, wide receiver wise, is uh, old man Marvin Jones. So I feel like Christian Kirk, uh, he's going to get work there. Um, I think the Jaguars are going to be in some positions where we're going to be throwing the ball a lot late. Um, so I feel like that's just going to benefit him. I've got him. I've got him over um, where he's at right now at wide receiver forty. You got to think the volume is going to be there at least, just strictly like you said. You're paying a guy twenty one million dollars a year. I mean, you set the free agent wide receiver market with Christian Kirk. So I feel like you have to at least give him the ball. The problem that I have with Christian Kirk isn't even about him. It's all preseason watching Trevor Lawrence. He is an overthrowing son of a gun. I don't know if it's just a timing thing. He hasn't got the timing down with Kirk yet, but it seemed like everybody he was throwing to, he was overthrowing. 
And it worries me a little bit because Kirk's a deep threat that we're going to see, and I hate to do it to him, I don't want it to turn into a Mitchell Trubisky situation where you see guys running wide open routes and the ball's landing six yards deep. And I think that that's something you could run into. But Kirk is always open. And I think that that's really going to play into it when the Jags are going to have to throw the ball, what, 30 times a game? You know, I mean, that's now a lot of 12 of those might be dump offs to ETM, but they're going to have to throw the ball 30 times a game. And you got to think that Kirk's getting, what, 8 to 10, 8, 12 targets a game? Well, you take that if what do you say, 40 overall? Yeah, yeah. Wide receiver. You, you take 40 that, bro. Mm-hmm. If you can get him down drafting at I mean, that's eighth round, probably eighth, ninth round where he's probably going. You yeah, take that going, if you can get that. Uh, overall 94th. So so right uh, there at the end of the eighth, on yeah. The size I mean, of the league, you know. Um, so again, I mean, they're in the eighth, ninth round, depending on what your league setup is. You're you're just about drafting bench guys at that point. At least, I mean, if you're in a couple flex league like we are, you're at least drafting flex guys. So, again, kind of like we said with the volume, man, if, if there's a wide receiver going to get eight to ten targets a game and I can get him in a, at a bench spot, you know, that late in the draft, I'm going to take him. I'll always draft volume, man, because volume is volumes, opportunities, and opportunity is all you can ask for. And I think that there's going to be some people that are going to get in those late rounds and they want to go for lottery tickets that are going to be the where Hollywood Brown used to go where he's going to get three catches for 80 yards and maybe a touchdown. And you're like, oh, man, well, I got – 12, 14 points out of him today. It's like, yeah, but if I can pick this guy up who doesn't need a touchdown to get me 8 to 10, I will take that every single week because now you're looking 16 to 20 whenever he does score. And those are the kind of guys that you got to be looking at in those late rounds because that's how you win leagues. I've noticed, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in fantasy that will build their bench (laughs) with – I don't know what you could – the word I'm looking for, but they build their bench with guys that could be. Um, and I prefer to build my bench with guys that, that have a, a good floor. You know, I don't want to build my bench out of all ceiling. I like to have some floor on my bench. So whenever I need to fill in for, you know, the starters and the guys I drafted high, I've got guys that I know at least are getting opportunity. Um, so a lot of times when I'm filling my bench out, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for guys that I feel like are going to get the most opportunity out there. Cause like you said, at the end of the day in fantasy, I mean, opportunity is what you're looking for. More opportunity you get, the more opportunity you have to strike gold. The could be guys, like you said, end up being the 18 points this week, three points next week, two points week after that, and then 23 points and then four points and then five points and then 36 points. And yeah, you end up getting those big weeks, but. Did you play him or did he go off on your bench because you realize that he's inconsistent and you can't play him? I try to build my bench to where if I lose a guy for a week or I've got a bye week, I've got to do no matter what I know I'm getting 8 to 12 out of him, and at least it's solid. I can figure out the rest somewhere else. I can try to plug and play somewhere else. I can play upside elsewhere, but I need the guys on my bench to be guys that whenever I plug them in, I know that I'm getting something that's going to contribute. And if you can't do that, I don't need you. Number one, it's going to help me when I'm in a pinch. Number two, everybody else that draft the could-be guys, whenever you realize they're the not-be guys, you're going to come to my bench and be like, shit, Kenny's got starters on his bench. And right. Or sometimes those could-be guys turn into the guys that are giving you five points a week, but you hold on to them on the bench because you're, you're, you're already so invested waiting for, you know, the, the what's going what's gonna to come, and then you end up kind of slitting your throat in the meantime, you know. Yeah, everybody that drafted Odell for there for a few years in the third or fourth round every year thinking, man, he's got a chance to be wide receiver one. 
well, yeah, but he's going to be wide receiver 12, 13, 14, though. And you could have got him a heck of a lot later and been just fine or got that production out of Brandon Cooks 25 receivers later in the draft. Which, shout out to uh, Brandon Cooks. He's another guy that just doesn't get enough credit out there, man. He's Brandon Cooks is solid. I wanted to put him on my list because I think he's going to finish better than where he's getting drafted, but he's kind of getting drafted where he belongs, too. So I didn't really, he didn't really make the list, but he's definitely one of the honorable mention guys that, Dude, 1,000 yards every – how come Mike – now, listen, I know Mike Evans got the touchdowns. Mike Evans gets applauded all the time for all these eight straight 1,000-yard seasons. Brandon Cook's done it six out of eight years. I mean, he's right there with him. I mean, he's good. Right. And, man, Brandon Cooks has been moved around. I mean, he's been doing it all over the place. And no matter where you send him, man, he's producing. You know, Everywhere he goes, he ends up being the wide receiver one there. For that yeah, team, he was, he was a guy that looked at But like you said, he's kind of – at the end of the day, he's kind of getting drafted right about where – you know, he belongs. Uh, Allen Robinson was a guy I thought about, too, but when I kind of started digging into it, he's a guy. I mean, you can't, can't move him any higher, really, than where he's at. So um, I think he's going to have a decent year, but at the same time, I can't go overboard and move him ahead of some of the guys that were, the, were there ranked ahead of him, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's if he had been in the L.A. offense last year, I think it's a little easier to make that claim with Allen Robinson. You know he's got the talent to be a great asset for, for Matt Stafford and a great asset in McVay's offense. But you just never seen him ran in that offense before. And you just don't know kind of where he's going to fall in that pecking order. You know, we talked about guys like Alan Lazard and Russell Gage being able to pick up early uh, because maybe some other guys are getting hurt or waiting on other guys to catch on. But I think that that's a guy that that you kind of look at and say, is Van Jefferson already ahead of him right now just because of last year, just because he's already got that? So how – Maybe he's the guy that you're looking at not to be your wide receiver too at the beginning, but maybe you were in that spot where you went running backs early and you needed that wide receiver, and he's the guy that you're going to be able to count on late. But I just don't think you can look at him as a guy and say, man, you should definitely be going earlier because you just don't know what he's going to look like yet in that offense, right? And he is, I mean, kind of like you're you're getting to here, man. Like he is a can just as much as he's a candidate to be better than his draft spot. He's a candidate to be worse than his draft spot. We've seen him be worse than his draft spot a lot. Right. And, and like you said, new offense, but the, that Van Jefferson has been in for a while and has potential to be the number two in that offense. At least to um, start. I mean, just while they get kind of comfortable at game speed and l- luckily the Robinson's been there all camp. He's been healthy all camp. And that's not something that he's been able to do a lot either in the off season. So that's going to be really good for him. And and McVay said Stafford's elbows 100% good to go. So hopefully it means good things for Allen Robinson, man. I know he's a guy, you're a Bears fan, so I know you like him, but he's a guy that I always like too. He's He was kind of always in that Brandon Cooks range where he's going to give you wide receiver two numbers, but you're never going to look at him on draft day and say that you just drafted a wide receiver two. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy, I mean, he's kind of like the uh... – the off-brand DeAndre Hopkins, man, he's made a great career out of, you know, Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky throwing him the football and putting up, I mean, pretty solid dang numbers. Um, I mean, Brandon Cooks, too. Brandon Cooks has had some not – Brandon Cooks has had some good quarterbacks throwing him the ball, but he's also had some not great quarterbacks throwing him the ball. Um, so I look at that, too, guys that can that have done it multiple places. Um, you just got to think, man, they're just – they're gamers, you know, and they'll put it together. Um but at the same time, the Rams, man, I mean, it's they got a lot of pieces there on that offense, too. So you don't know. That's the one thing Stafford didn't have, though, was to throw it up and go get it guy in the red zone. You know, yeah. Cup, great route runner. Obviously, he's open all the time. OBJ was a great route runner. He's open all the time. Allen Robinson's dude just, hey, go get it. 
And I think and, that's and, something that he's going to be able to use because you like to get that out of a tight end. Higby, Higby, Higby wasn't that guy. You know, he was a good route running tight end that can kind of be that sneaky athlete. I just think Allen Robinson is going to kind of give him give him that that old Roy Williams that he used to have, that old Calvin Johnson he used to have down in the red zone, just kind of throw it up there and go get a guy. Yeah, I kind of said it during our division picks. Um, I think Allen Robinson almost complements uh, Cooper Cup style-wise better than even Robert Woods did, you know, and they were that duo was great. I don't think he's going to block as well in the run game, though. Robert Woods, highly underrated blocking wide receiver, by the way. Oh, dude, I – only underrated to casuals, man. I feel like anybody else is listening to Cooper Cup praise him a thousand times over and over and over again about how great of a blocker he is. Um, my other wide receiver, I know we kind of get caught up on Allen Robinson there, which, shit, he just made the list, I think, huh? Uh, I'm going to go with another former, I guess not another former, but this former Green Bay wide receiver. I'm going to go with MVS. Um, he's a guy that all through camp he's been – he's gotten all the one reps. He started – on the outside every single day of camp, basically, uh, in that wide receiver one spot. Um, obviously, we know Kelsey's going to be the dude there. Um, they brought in Juju, but that's going to hurt Kelsey more than it's going to hurt a guy like MBS because Juju's that underneath route runner as well. Um, so, really, I think you're looking at it's MBS or Hardman. And right now, MBS is above him, and Hardman's been there for three years. So, if MBS shows up and he's getting starting routes over you, it's not really saying a lot for you being able to take the ball out of his hands. We know that Andy Reid likes to run a bunch of wide receivers. He's not scared to do that. He'll switch them in and out. I think that we saw Nelson Aguilar go from Philly to, to Oakland, and he kind of took off and kind of had a resurgence. And then he went to, to New England, and it got him paid because of what he did in Oakland. I think MVS kind of has a chance to do that same thing where Aguilar's big thing was was the stone hands. You know, he dropped the ball. And MVS's kind of thing was the same thing. Like, he's going to make a big play, and then he's going to have one hit right in the butt, uh, right in the gut and drop it. I think if he can go and fix that, and obviously you're not upgrading in quarterback or anything like that. You basically went from 1A to 1B or 1B to 1A, however you want to look at it. Um, but I just think that he's a guy that if he can solidify himself as that that every down deep threat, that he's gonna he's a guy that if he gets 50 catches this year, he's going undrafted a lot of leagues. If he can get 50 to 60 catches this year, then that's going to be a very, very good year for him. That's going to be a flex guy that you can play every week. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Like, so somewhere there, late in drafts, a Kansas City wide receiver might be a league winner. It might, it could be MVS, it could be Miko Hartman, maybe even Sky Moore. Um, but one of these guys is going to highly outproduce where they're being drafted because all these guys are being somewhat drafted late. Like you said, Juju's kind of an underneath possession guy. So if anything, he's kind of hurting Kelsey. He's taking some of that short game. But as far as hitting home runs over the top, um, it's going to be Hardman or it's going to be MVS. One of those guys is going to have some big games. Uh, and like you said, I mean, MVS, his problem is in Green Bay wasn't wasn't making plays and getting open. It was dropping the ball. Um, and we know, like we've alluded to before, Aaron Rodgers is the kind of guy like, don't drop balls or I'm going to stop throwing them to you. Um, if I got other guys out here like Devontae Adams that could catch the ball. So, yeah, if MVS can get, can get the drops under control, um, you know, just – if he can take the roof off a couple times early on in the season, I don't see any reason why he's not the guy out there doing it, um, you know, the majority of the time. Like you said, Miko Hartman's been there for for multiple years. It also makes me feel like maybe that's a guy Mahomes knows a little bit better. Maybe Miko Hartman is going to be a guy that's going to way outproduce his draft slot. Um, but I definitely think one of those guys is is, is going to produce way higher 
than where they're being taken at. Well, one of them has to because they're all being drafted uh, right around that 12, 13, 14 range. And no matter what, wide receiver one, even with Kelsey on the field, for uh, for Kansas City is going to produce outproduce uh, basically being undrafted. And I'm I'm guessing most most fantasy experts or the boards that I've seen they've got Juju up there a little bit higher. So I'm guessing you know catch wise they think you know Kelsey and Juju are going to get the bulk. They got um, Juju maybe, I think going like eighth round I think is what I've seen like seventh eighth round way too high for yeah. me to take. Maybe these maybe they think these guys are just are only home run hitters. Um, but I I feel like MVS or Michael Harbin both can be more than that. Well, I mean they are. Only home run hitters, but when Patrick Mahomes is throwing you the ball, you'll take that. You know, I mean, if he's going to – he loves to push the ball downfield. Tyreek Hill's not there anymore. Now, he's not going to force feed anybody the way he force-fed Hill, but he's still going to throw the ball downfield. And then and Andy Reid is – he's creative. Just because a guy can take, you know, the roof off doesn't mean that's all he is. He, he This isn't the Raiders. It's not run fast and we'll throw it deep. Uh, Andy Reid – very creative coach, get the ball in some of these guys' hands and let them do some work, you know. Um, so that's why, I mean, I don't know what kind of role Sky Moore is going to play in this offense, but I feel like Andy Reid's going to get him involved a little bit. I definitely think down in the red zone, um, the attention is going to be on Kelsey, and that's going to favor MVS down there quite a bit too. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. You know, the, the underneath guys that – like Juju Kelsey, which Kelsey obviously can run the field and everything as well. We're not taking anything away from him, but but those tight ends, that's what you're looking at whenever you get down there. And I think when you get a guy like MBS where there's going to be so much pressure on everybody else, like you said, man, Henry Hartman, it's going to be one of them. And I just feel like with him being on the field already as much as he has running with the ones, if it was going to be Hartman, I feel like it already would have been. And would you rather have Corey Davis – or MVS if, for your lottery ticket? I would rather have MVS because I feel like the ceiling and the potential. At that point in the draft, I'm taking the ceiling and potential of MVS over Corey Davis. Corey Davis, for one, I got a lot more questions on who's throwing him the ball. Um, and then there's there's other mouths to feed there for the Jets. So, I mean, Corey Davis, I feel like he's, he's, being, he's another guy that's being taken way, way, way low. Um, if Zach Wilson can can have a decent year and stay healthy, Corey Davis could way outproduce his spot. But at that point in the draft, I'm taking MBS every to every time just because I feel like the potential in the ceiling are a lot higher. Well, I mean, the problem is the problem really with Corey Davis just bringing him up out of there, just because they were both kind of going in that kind of undrafted last round range. I was just kind of throwing guys out there. They already had Elijah Moore and they brought in Garrett Wilson. And that could not be good for Corey Davis. They brought him in, paid him a bunch of money, and then kept drafting wide receivers. And that just kind of really makes you think that he's just not fitting the way they thought. You know, I I drafted him last year thinking that's my – I drafted him and Mike Davis, and I thought I, was, I thought that was my law firm, Davis and Davis. And I had to dump them both, couldn't even trade them. And I just think that, that Corey's kind of getting just – people are jumping him there. Let me ask you another one. Uh, you take MVS, you take DJ Chark. I'm probably taking DJ Shark. And, yeah, he's uh, five spots above MVS right now. That's uh, DJ Shark is a guy that I think uh, – so Amonra St. Brown almost made my drop list just because I think DJ Shark is going to be a guy that's going to take some take some production there. I mean, DJ Shark is a solid solid wide receiver. It looks like uh, Jameson Williams is going to be out for a little while. Um, 
not to take anything away from Amonra St. Brown, but he's kind of a guy like Gabe Davis. I think people are expecting what he did in, you know, a small five to six game sample size, something that's going to sustain the whole year. And, you know, guys that averaged, you know, 20 points a game there, you know, for five or six games, I don't think necessarily going to going to average 20 fantasy points a game for a 17 game season. I think most likely not. I think Gabe Davis probably has a chance to reach his ceiling a little better than than St. Brown does. Just because at some point Jameson Williams is going to come into that. And and they did bring in DJ Chark. Now the big thing for that's going to work out for St. Brown is DJ Chark's probably going to miss nine games. Uh, just That's just kind of what he does. He's probably going to get an ankle, probably going to get a foot, probably going to miss some time. Uh, but he is a good football player. And so if he's on the field, he's going to get he's going to be open. Now, whether or not he gets the targets, he's going to be open. Um, and you got to think that as Goff gets more comfortable with him there, um, that he's going to get the ball more, too. I'm definitely I'm targeting St. Brown like crazy where he's at, though. Um, I just I don't think that he's going too high. I do think that his ceiling might be a little lower, but I think his floor is just fine. I don't know if his floor is going to be that 20 point a week that he showed five out of seven of the last games last year or whatever. But but I do think that he's going to give you 12 to 16 every week, just MP and full PPR. And I think that you'll take that. Yeah, and and kind of like like I said, he was a guy that I thought about putting on my list. But when you get looking at at these lists, man, sometimes you might you might think a guy's a little high, but then you look at the guys behind him, and you can't put any of them above him. So I mean, you know, he's kind of right, like you said, he's kind of right in the area that he needs to be. And um, I can't put him on my list because he's not a guy. You know, if I can get him in the range that he's at, he's not a guy that I'm going to pass on. So I feel like you know that that kind of played a part into me making this list is. If I'm drafting right there, am I going to take this guy or am I going to pass on him? You know, and looking at if I need a wide receiver um, in that range, he's a guy I'd have my eye on, you know. No, 100%. I kind of did the same thing. I just kind of thought back to the mocks that I've done leading up to to our drafts and just thinking, who are the dudes that I passed on? And, you know, that's where I passed on Debo every time and Javante every time. And I passed on Zeke every time. I passed on Chase every time. It's just, and the other guys, I picked up Alan Lazard every single time I could. And I picked up James Robinson because I could do it in the last round. And I've picked up uh, MVS in the last round whenever I can get him. You know, it's guys that, kind of like you said, man, like if it's guys I'll pass up, then you definitely made my you're going way too high list. And if it's guys that you look at, it's like, man, end of the drafts, I'll take that guy to, to try to be that lottery ticket. Then it's guys that are going to make the, the list of guys that I think are too low. For sure, man. I'm uh, I'm just excited to draft tomorrow. And uh, this is the last Sunday we're going to sleep without pro football, man. It's going to be nice, man. They said everything's good to go for Thursday. Stafford will be full go. The Rams should be full go. But uh, everything should be ready to go for that. So just looking forward to Thursday. We got show kind of on Wednesday. Um, picks against the spread. Bachman's kind of prepped it a little bit this morning. Uh, shouted it out. Uh, so we'll be doing Wednesday football show. Picks against the spread. Um Throw out a little fantasy stuff, uh, fantasy relevant guys for the games. Uh, me and Craig cover all that. Good storylines here, week one, too. You know, just, uh, you know, Russ back in Seattle, Baker back to Cleveland. Uh, some some good matchups, man. I'm excited. No, I like it, too. Did you see a uh, quote Baker had? Said he was going to the, F the Browns up. No, but I love it, man. Oh, you uh, didn't see that? They, they were talking about it on Pat McAfee show the other day. Uh, I guess a video came out or a quote came out and somebody asked Baker what he's going to do to the Cleveland week one. He said, I'm going to F him up. What do you think? And 
I think Miles Garrett said something about he's going to have a new gravestone in the front yard or something like that for Halloween or or whatever. So there's definitely some good storylines coming up. Uh, I mean, you know, the NFL is going to do that. They're going to make sure that they're that they're making as many things to talk about uh, week one as possible. Yeah, and that Thursday, that Thursday kickoff, man, that game should be a banger. So, no, it's going to be good, man. I think anytime that you get returning champs playing Thursday night, right? I mean. We, we spent a whole year, two years ago, saying how in the world are these the Thursday night games? And I think last year and now this year, it looks like the Thursday night games are going to be where it's at. It's going to be good games. It seems like they almost kind of like to kick off like a team that won a conference against a team that almost won the conference. You know what I mean? Um, like, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, potential Super Bowl matchups. Um, so Bills Rams, I mean, a lot of people got them as their as their Super Bowl matchups. So that'll be. That'll be a hell of a way to kick it off. No, I think so too, man. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Bakken's back in the above the weather, feeling good, and uh, can come handle this hosting stuff because you know I am not cut out for it. Yeah, it looks like every Wednesday night we'll be on here picking against the spread. Um, so I can't wait to get that rolling every week, so I can just keep climbing climbing the charts and the standings um, as we make picks throughout the year. Listen, on Wednesday, the only thing that we're going to be talking about is the fact that fantasy belt ain't leaving my desk. <laughs> All right, man. You got anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so, man. Um, yeah, we'll throw out a, a, a few kind of weekly specific um, fantasy tidbits on Wednesday and make the picks. So uh, everything else I was kind of safe for then. Yeah, man, I think we'll go through and make the picks and it'll be kind of easy to say, hey, man, here's – couple wide receivers you're looking at this game couple backs you're looking at this game uh here's some dudes you if you're in a pinch here's some flex guys that maybe you'll be free agency you might be able to go pick up uh that way everybody's kind of getting get a little bit of gambling advice get a little bit of fantasy advice get a little bit of picks advice and just have some fun with it for sure man and hopefully Bakins will be healthy and back uh to host us on wednesday outside of that back um, but yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, as always, shout out Let's Talk Sports, shout out DDH, Dan Dave Harris over there, man. Keeping all of us working, keeping everybody streaming, keeping everything, uh, keeping content flowing over there. They cover everything. Um, shout out uh, Tanner over at Sports Buffoons. Him and Bodkins have their Monday show um, tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. Um, I imagine that uh, Bodkins is a guy that ain't going to miss the, a chance to be on the mic. So he'll be back tomorrow uh, in sickness or in health. He's married to this stuff. So. Uh, oh, for sure. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Um, be back. Bakken's be back tomorrow with Tanner, and then we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Oh, oh.